Alright, we're going to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And tonight I'm going to talk about how to prepare for spiritual battles. Uh, one thing that is for sure that much of uh, that we, we see in the Scriptures, and we're going to look at some of that tonight, but much of what we're facing, the problems that we're having in our world today, the problems that individuals are having, these are spiritual problems. Uh, now, uh, I know uh, in, our, in the secular world today, they don't like to necessarily admit the spiritual, but uh, we're church people here. We definitely believe in that. We believe it is just as real as anything else, but you know, I know the secular world doesn't like to admit that it's real. Science doesn't necessarily like to admit it's real. The medical profession doesn't necessarily want to talk about it. They, you know, they kind of focus on, on just science itself. But the spiritual is very real. And spiritual battles are real. And we need to prepare for these. And in, in, later in Ephesians, at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, we see, uh, where Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. A very familiar passage of Scripture, and a lot of times when preaching on spiritual battles, we see that um, that's the passage where we go to. Usually, somebody would probably start in Ephesians chapter 6, probably in verse verse 10. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start our reading in verse 1. And as we read this, it doesn't necessarily seem like um, preparation for a spiritual battle, but we'll see that if we follow these things in here, that it is. And uh, hopefully, and then uh, I'm going to kind of reveal why later because I want to keep you paying attention and wondering. But these things will help us if we do them win spiritual battles. And you might look at these things and think there's nothing spiritual about this at all, but you'll find out that it is and why it matters so much if we're going to win spiritual battles. If we're going to be able to win the battles over the mind and the battles that are over over Satan and over uh, his devils that are out there that are real, where if we're going to have victory, we need to do these things that it talks about in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6. And I I also believe that much of this is kind of how we put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. We may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. But it says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. One of the things you need to learn before you go into battle, one of the things that they uh, try to teach our military before they go into battle, I know Brother Sean and Miss Kim, you know a lot more about this than I do, but they want to make sure you know how to take orders. That you know how to listen to orders. That you will follow the chain of command. And that you can follow instructions. It's so important. And children, from the time they're young, God's telling them in His Word here that you need to obey your parents. You need to follow the authority that God has given you. You need to listen. You need to, you need to obey. You've got to be able to take orders. I know kids. Uh, you know, I was the same way when I was a kid. We like to question everything that our parents ask us. You know, Dad, why? You know, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? And you know, I know parents ought to explain some things to their kid, but you know, you can't always explain every little detail, especially when they're real young. They're not going to understand. You know, Mom and Dad, why can't I play out? In the streets by myself, you know, we're not going to go and give them a detailed verbal description of what 
some pervert out there might do if they were to get a hold of them. They're not ready for that information yet. They need to just obey their parents. And it will protect them. They need to learn to follow the authority that God has placed in their life because the truth is, just because you turn 18 does not mean you no longer have to worry about authority anymore. All of us, at every point in our life, have authority that we have to deal with. You don't think you have anybody to boss you around? Go out and break the speed limit long enough and somebody that's a higher authority is going to come along and they're going to show you who's the boss. They're going to write you up a ticket and you say, I'm not going to pay that ticket. And now, you know, they'll, they're going to get the money out of you somehow. They've got all kinds of people out there that'll eventually come after you to get you in line. And you know, the truth is, the people who fight authority the most, who never do learn to submit to authority, are many of the people Brother Sean's going to be ministering to shortly. And those people are under more authority than anybody. They're told when to get up. They're told what to wear. They're told what they're going to eat. When they're going to eat, when they're going to get to go and leave, that's that's no fun, is it? That, and the truth is, if we don't learn to submit to authority, that's going to happen. And really, obeying your parents, it and learning to do that, it will help you spiritually, and it'll help us as in our church. If our families and the members in our church, if they're following the parents. If the children are obeying the parents, it's going to help have stronger families. It's going to help have more spiritual families. And you'll see why it makes sense in a moment. But also it says in verse 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. I don't believe that this is one that we just have to do until we're 18 either. I believe honoring your parents is something that you have to do your, your whole life and their whole life. And say, well, my parents aren't very good parents. Well, doesn't mean you have to agree with what they do. Doesn't mean you have to support bad decisions, but you still should honor them. Or not, you know, we don't, you don't go around calling them names. You need, you don't want to go, uh, you know, putting them down. I mean, it's your parents. I mean, especially your mother, the woman that brought you into the world to, you know, to curse your mother and, and to put her down. I mean, how, how could you do that? What a horrible thing. And there are bad parents out there. And boy, you know, I'm not, and, you know, kids sometimes are in horrible situations where they maybe need to get out of the house and go somewhere else. But yet, honoring though, I believe there ought to always be that honoring there, no matter what. Now, a good authority figure, they're gonna do whatever they can to protect you. Bible says here in verse 3, it says that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. When you honor your parents, it's going, to do, it's going to be good for you to do that. It's going to bless you. It's going to help you. Obviously, if your parents are telling you to go rob a bank, obviously that it's not going to be well with you if you do that. You can honor them. You can love them. But you might have to go to the police. <laughs> you, know, you might have to do something drastic. And unfortunately, um, we, there's probably quite a few kids out there in situations where they have to make some very, very difficult choices because of the homes that they're in, because of what they are subjected to. But honoring honoring your parents, it is something that God does not give an exception to right here. And so, and then also it says in verse four, it gets to the parents or the fathers, says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
And right there, fathers, you know, don't go making it difficult for your children to obey you. Don't make it difficult for them to honor you. It's going to be hard, very hard for a child to honor his father when he's beating his mother. It'd be very difficult. It's going to be very hard, difficult for a daughter to be, to, or a son to honor their mother when she's unfaithful and disrespectful to the father. Those kind of things are going to be very difficult. And he says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We ought to have a desire to please those in authority over us. As children, we ought to want to please our parents. As fathers, we ought to want to please the Lord. And how we raise our children as mothers, they ought to want to please the Lord and how they raise their children. We and then um and then he goes on and then he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Well, I'm only a servant of God. I'm not a servant to anybody. Well, do you have a job today? Are you employed by anyone? This means the same thing. If you're a servant or an employee, same thing. Alright, if you have a job today, you are a servant to somebody and you have a master. You probably don't call him master. Um, in my job, I've got managers there, but I don't, I don't call them master. You know, I, we're on a first name basis. But they are my manager. They are, in a, in a biblical term, they are my master. And they tell me what to do. Sometimes they tell me to do things that I don't necessarily want to do. They might tell me to go work in there. I don't really want to work there today. I really don't want to work today. <laughs> I'd kind of like to go home. But I have to listen to my master. Oh, that's hard to say, isn't it? But that's a biblical term right there. We don't like to admit it, but he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We need to have, notice how he says in singleness of heart. He's telling us to not be, this is talking about not being double-minded. Don't be obedient on the surface, but then behind his back, you're doing something else. Behind their backs, you're going against them. You're trying, uh, you know, you tell them you're going to do one thing. And you tell them respectfully and you tell them with a smile, but you go and you do something else. You've got an ulterior motive. You have a hidden agenda. It says don't do that. Be obedient and do it with fear and trembling. Have the attitude that you are thankful for your job, that they could fire you from your job. We live in a society today where people, they look at jobs and employments almost as a right that they have. And the truth is, I mean, if I have a business, and somebody's not doing a good job, I want to fire them. So shouldn't I have the same attitude about my employers? If I'm not doing a good job, they ought to have the right to fire me. If I'm not showing up for work, if I'm messing everything up while I'm there, if I'm costing them money and not making them money, we ought to have, we ought to have a, a fearful attitude as, as the servants. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Okay, this is an eye service. We're not trying to do a job that looks good so we impress them, but we do this job, we serve them as servants of Christ. Because you know, the truth is, well, you know, how can I be serving God at my job? You know, I work, I work in a factory or I work in a gas station or wherever I work. How can that be serving God there? Hey, if 
that's where God has called you, if that's the occupation that God has put you in, if God has given you the talents and the abilities to work in that area, if that's where He wants you, then whether you like it or not, or know it or not, you're serving God when you do that. And you ought to have that attitude like that boss is the Lord. And it's like, nah, that sounds crazy. And I know, listen, if he goes and tells you to do something that's against the law or against the law of God, obviously you don't have to obey that. You have a higher authority that, you, that you're supposed to follow. But as long as they're not telling you to do anything that goes against the law or goes against the law of God, then you ought, you ought to obey them. You ought to do it with fear and trembling, not with eye service as men pleasers. Verse 7 says, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Too many times. That's our attitude. I'm doing this job for my boss. My boss is a jerk. My boss is an idiot. I don't like him, so I'm, I'm just going to do enough to get by. But God said not to do that. God said to do it as to the Lord and not, not to men. Colossians 3.23, I believe it is, whatsoever ye do. And whatsoever. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And then in... Uh, we, we, anything that we can do for others, we ought to do it as if we were doing it for Christ. And then verse 8, "...knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free." And then he gets in verse 9 and says, "...and ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with them. So now he's talking to the bosses. He's telling the bosses, hey, don't go around threatening your employees. I mean, you need, you need to be good to them. Remember also that you have a master in heaven. Treat them like you want your master to treat you. Notice how God's kind of covering everybody here. He gets to the family and he's talk, he's, he's talking to the children. He talks to the parents. And then he gets to talking about our occupations. I mean, really, what people are we around the most? Well, we're around our families the most. And then secondly, most of us, we're around our coworkers the most. Wherever our occupation is, we're around them all the time. And God here is telling us all these things that we need to do with each other. That we need to be, he tells, he's talking about our relationships with our families. The relationship with our co-workers, the people that we're around, and he's talking specifically to the church here. And then he gets into verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren. It's like this is where he's working up to. Okay, He's been telling us all these things so he can get us to the last point. And finally, that's the last point you always want to hear in church. Alright, and finally, this is the last point. This is what we're going to. This is where we've been heading the whole time. And this is kind of where I'm heading to Right now, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He's talking to the church. Okay? And tonight, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to God's people. And if we are going to prepare, the way that you need to prepare for spiritual battles, if you want to be strong spiritually, if you want to be able to have victory over the devil, if you want, and not just victory 
personal victory over the devil where you're doing the right thing and where you're uh, being a good Christian, but victory over the devil to where you can even help other people, where you can see other people saved. Because that is a spiritual battle that takes place. So you can help other people get from being in captivity to the devil to having liberty in Jesus Christ. If you want to help influence in that area, you're involved in a spiritual battle. And as Christians, we've all been called into that battle. And yet, there's very little victory sometimes in many churches and with many Christians in these areas. And I believe the reason that we're not winning these spiritual battles is because we're fighting too many physical battles here on earth. Notice all these people that it's been talking about. Many times, even in churches, there is a great deal of conflict with those groups. The families are at each other's throats and fighting each other. The parents are fighting with the parents, or the kids are fighting with the parents. The parents are fighting with the kids. The two parents are fighting with each other. The kids are fighting with each other. And listen, if you're having all those battles with your family, good luck on the spiritual battle. If you're wanting to come to the house of God and to get something that's going to help you spiritually, and you're fighting and down each other's throats the whole way here, it's going to be very difficult for you to get anything from the Lord spiritually. And God's trying to tell us here that we're not here to fight with each other, but we're here to fight against the devil. And that's why in church especially, you know, we want to come together to help. But many times in churches, the people in the church are fighting with each other. Well, how are we going to win a battle against the devil if we're fighting against each other? I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's a brilliant tactic. I mean, if you're wanting to fight me, and have a battle against me, and maybe people are teaming up, if I'm the one they're all wanting to fight, if I can get them fighting with each other instead, then that just makes things easier for me. Well, I don't want to have to be the one to you know to kill anybody or fight anybody, but if I get somebody else to do it for me, if I get somebody else to fight my battles, that's a whole lot easier. And if I'm going to get somebody to fight my battles, I would prefer to have my enemies fighting my enemies than my friends fighting my enemies because I don't want any of my friends to be casualties. And the devil has brilliantly and I mean successfully succeeded in getting people to fight with each other all the time because what it's doing is it distracts us from who we're supposed to be fighting and that's him. We're supposed to be fighting against the devil. And it says in verse 10, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice that word wiles in there. Kind of like, remember Wiley Coyote? Wiley Coyote. Why do they call it? Because he was tricky. He was always planting these traps and of course, you know, he never did get victory over that roadrunner. But yet, uh, he was he was sneaky. He was tricky. He had something evil in mind, and that's how the devil works with us. He's trying to. He he does not want us being spiritually victorious people in the church. The, all of us if that, that are saved, we are dangerous when we are obedient to the Holy Spirit. We're dangerous to the devil. The power of the Holy Spirit. And our lives can do great things. And so he's got to be really sneaky. Because even against the devil, with the Lord on our side, he's in big trouble. So he's figured out, if I can get people fighting with each other, 
then they're not going to be fighting with me. And the Bible says here in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now wait a minute. Most of what I see going on in the world today is people wrestling against flesh and blood. Isn't it? Families fighting. Friends fighting with each other. Church members fighting with each other. Co-workers fighting with each other. You know how many times people will come to church sometimes maybe stressed out of their mind and upset and angry over their boss at work. Man, I just hate my boss. I can't stand my boss. He's driving me crazy. I mean, maybe their co-worker, they're just flipping out about and they're upset and they can't stop thinking about them. And the whole time the devil is just kicking back thinking, thank goodness. Because they needed this message. This really could have helped them. But they're too busy fighting with flesh and blood. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, that's not what we're supposed to be really fighting. Who we're really fighting is but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Many of these things are spiritual battles going on. You know why your lost coworker seems to know all your buttons to push? It's not because he's that smart. It's because the devil's using him. That it's a real spiritual battle. And if he can get you hating the individual, if he can get you at war with the individual, then he's got you right where he wants you. He's got you wrestling against flesh and blood and ignoring him. Because with the Holy Spirit, all of us in here are smart enough to know that if it's us against the devil, we're in big trouble. We all, we all know that. And so if we were going to plan a fight, if we decided today that we are going at war with the devil, well, the first thing all of us are going to do, we're going to do a lot of praying, aren't we? We're going to start putting on the armor of God. We're going to start getting spiritually ready and the devil's going to be in big trouble. So he can't have us fighting him, he's got to have us fighting each other. Sometimes that happens in religions, religions, and sometimes even Baptists. Well, they'll get into these things and they'll get in these new battle that's going on in the Baptist movement, and they'll all start fighting with other Baptists. Well, the devil, he's just got to be laughing the whole time, because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But why are we naming people as our enemies? Why are we always naming you know other churches or other religions as the enemies when the truth is? The Bible says that it's the devil that we're fighting. That these are spiritual battles that we were that we are fighting. And when we are, whenever we're going to fight a war with another country, I mean, we prepare by buying you know weapons and bombs and preparing soldiers and getting airplanes and helicopters and all these things ready so we can defeat those enemies. And in the war in Iran or Iraq and Afghanistan, those places it's been difficult because. Most people are fighting over there. They don't wear uniforms. And it's difficult. They've got to find ways to try to figure out who the bad guy is and how they can protect the innocent civilians so they make sure they're actually getting the right enemy. And the truth is, the enemy that we're fighting today is is in disguise. It's disguised as flesh and blood, but the truth is, many of those people that we're seeing out there, they're not the enemy. It's the devil. They're hide, he's hiding. He doesn't want us to see who he really is. And we've got to realize that the devil is the one that we're going after. We cannot be involved in a spiritual battle while we're fighting pointless battles with the flesh. Just like a soldier cannot go and fight in Iraq and Afghanistan 
at the same time. They go one place and they got to focus on one mission. We need to understand that we are in a battle against the devil. That we're in a battle with Christ. And many times we are completely helpless in the battle because of the fighting that's going on with all these people that it mentions in the first nine verses. With families. With our co-workers. Uh, it's not mentioned here. Maybe with other church members. I believe it's because he's talking to the church, to the church here and telling them what they need to do. They, that we've got to make sure if we're going to have spiritual victory here in the church that we're having spiritual victory in the homes. How do I know if I'm having spiritual victory? Is the authority structure right in the home? Are the children obeying the parents? Are the fathers um, bringing up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Are you obedient to your masters? Is there fighting and conflict going on with each other? And so many times people will leave church and get out of the house of God and get out of the will of God and you talk to them about why and they'll start naming people. If you talk to most people today who hate religion and hate church and you ask them why they don't like it, what happened, what is it that changed your mind about all these things and they will tell you about a person in the church. You know what they're doing? They're talking about flesh and blood. The Bible says we're not wrestling against Sometimes even in churches, churches will be going through battles, and maybe a pastor, you know, will say, "Man, I'm, I'm battling. I'm having a battle with a certain individual in the church or a certain family in the church." And the truth is, it's not really the person. This is a spiritual battle. And listen, I know there are some people that seem to just be very willing tools of the devil. That it's hard to look past. That flesh. We like to have an enemy that we can clearly identify, don't we? And that's why it's so difficult in some of these battles we're fighting now because it's hard to figure out who the enemy is. But you know what? It's a lot easier to hate a person that you can see than a devil that you can't see. And we just, because, you know, and I think one of the reasons for that is you can't punch the devil. You can't, you know, you can't put your fingers around the throat of the devil or, or one of his demons. And sometimes we get so angry and in the flesh. That's what's really happening. In the flesh. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The Bible also says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When we get angry, we're getting into the flesh and flesh wants to hit flesh. Flesh wants to attack flesh. But the Bible says that these things that we're dealing with are spiritual. And listen, we need to understand that any of us, if we're not careful, if we're not prepared spiritually, we can be the ones that we can be the tool that the devil uses. I could be the tool the devil uses. If I'm not careful, and if, and if you're not careful especially, the devil might be able to get me to say something that maybe necessarily isn't even horrible, but it's the last thing in the world that you're wanting to hear. It's the very thing in the world that will get you upset and get you mad, and we've got to learn to see through that. That, hey, Pastor Tommy's not smart enough to know that and to figure that out and to know that that's the very thing in the world that will push my buttons. We need to realize that was the devil. And sometimes we'll get, we'll 
somebody, maybe they're a little more spiritual. I'm just joking there. But they'll say, yeah, the devil used Brother Lonnie in that situation. Now, that was the devil there, but they'll still get mad at you and think he sure isn't very spiritual because he let the devil use him. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really mad at the devil, but you know, Lonnie shouldn't let the devil use him. Lonnie doesn't even know the devil used him. You know why? Because he's wily. He's tricky. He can use us and we don't even know it. Many times when people get angry at someone else in the, in the church and there's conflict and things going on, that other person doesn't even know that they did anything. They don't know that somebody's mad. They don't realize that they insulted somebody. And as I was reading this and studying it, I'm, you know, I'm thinking these don't really sound like spiritual things. I would think if we're going to prepare for a spiritual battle, it would say, all right, children, pray every morning. Pray in noon. Pray at nighttime. You know, read your Bible. Do all those things. It would, and those things definitely are good and definitely are going to help you. But all the things that it mentions in those first nine verses, they deal with our relationships with people. And I believe that is one of the biggest things that is killing our, us in the spiritual battle is we're too busy fighting flesh and blood. And it's all a distraction of the devil. He does not... You know, the devil, the truth is... I know there's a Satanist religion out there. Uh, and there's a Satanic Bible. Honestly, I don't know if the devil has anything to do with that religion or had anything to do with that Bible. Uh, I, I don't know that much about it. But the truth is with the devil, he likes to be unseen. He doesn't want to be noticed. When he came into the Garden of Eden to deceive Eve, he came in as a serpent. He didn't come as himself. He doesn't want to go notice because I think it's, he knows it's clear who he is. That he is the bad guy. Whoever the Antichrist ends up being, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be having a little Hitler mustache. Okay, Even though this guy's going to be as bad and worse than Hitler, he's not going to do that. Because, <laughs> hey, that's just going to identify him in a bad way. It's going to put him in a bad light. He's not going to he's not going to have 666 tattooed on his forehead like some people think or do anything like that. He's not he's not that dumb. Satan wants to come in unnoticed. He doesn't want people to know they're fighting him cuz we all naturally hate the devil and we know he's the bad guy. And we know the verse in the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil knows that he doesn't have a chance when it comes to a battle between him and the Holy Spirit and between a Spirit-filled Christian. He knows he doesn't have a chance and he has mastered the art of getting fighting within. We see it go on in our government just the way they fight with each other and accomplish nothing and make things worse in the process. And the same thing goes on in churches today. And the same thing goes on even in families today. I think most families, probably, I think most parents love their kids. Most kids love their parents. Most husbands and wives love each other. But boy, they sure fight with each other quite a bit. And nobody ever stops to think, could the devil be the one involved here? Could he be the one I'm really fighting should he be the one I'm really mad at right now? The truth is, it's a lot easier to be mad at a person than it is to be mad at the devil. And we've got to learn to direct our anger in the right way because the Bible says, be angry and sin not. 
I don't believe it's a sin to be angry at the devil. Bible, it's a sin to hate your brother. But I don't see where it's a sin to hate the devil. And if we would channel that energy in the right place, I think it would help us be victorious Christians. I think we would see more people get saved. I think we'd see more lives changed if we understood who we were fighting and we were spiritual Christians and we prepare spiritually by doing the right things in the flesh amongst people. We can all... There's so many folks out there. It's like, man, they've got so many enemies and so few friends. You know, we don't have uh, the things that we need to accomplish. We don't have time to fight with each other as Christians. We don't have time to fight with our families and with our coworkers. And I tell you, there's there's sometimes when I'm at work, I have to stop and just like, All right, I better blame the devil for this one because. Uh, I don't want to have a bad testimony here. And I really need to punch somebody right now. But you know what? I'll, I'll save it for the devil. <laughs> because uh, this... And the devil would love it if I'd haul off and hit somebody. Because not only did I hit the wrong person, but now I'm in big trouble. It's probably not going to help. Liberty Baptist Pastor Liberty Baptist Church is written up in the papers for you know going to jail for assault and battery. It's not going to be, not going to be a good thing. I, the devil needs me and he needs you fighting against flesh and blood. But in the Bible it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are There is spiritual out there. There is spiritual influence. And we've got to prepare ourselves for it. So with that, let's all stand together.